Hey there, and welcome to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and we hope you are doing okay in this global pandemic crisis that just seems to be persisting. When will it end? Oh my God, it's like the gift that keeps on giving, you guys. <laughs> It sure is. How are you feeling about it at the moment? Okay. (laughs) I'm fine. Can you sense the hesitance in my voice? Um, Yeah, I'm okay. I just would really love to see that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm definitely noticing that my mental health is dwindling more than it was earlier in the year. And I think that that is just a reflection on the fact that we've been in this for a very long time and that there's just not really an end in sight, which I think is hard for all of us. And I know that I'm definitely finding it hard. What about you? I am obviously in a different position given that I'm in Byron, but it is weird here because it's kind of like a new normal where there isn't really COVID around at the moment, but still everybody's wearing masks and a lot of things just aren't operating. So it is weird to be in this kind of limbo state and also be hearing about everything that's going on in Melbourne. But the plus side of everyone wearing masks here now is I get to get myself a fancy mask. Ooh, I am definitely having a lot of fun with mask fashion. I'm not going to lie. And I think that Melbourne's such a great city for it as well because it's all very eclectic and fashion-y. So I'm often finding myself going down the street and seeing someone's mask and being like, ooh, I want that one, which is so funny (laughs) that you would get excited about mask fashion, but I'm not even joking, I am. Yeah, totally. No, I'm a bit excited about it now. I think I'm going to jump on Etsy because I know that you found a good one there and I'd also seen a couple I had my eye on and I like the idea of supporting local artisans. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm really excited to get into part two of today's episode. So we recorded part one of our mental health struggles that aired a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely encourage you to go ahead and then today you will be hearing part two from us. Yes. So last time Jess talked a little bit more about her journey and the things that she has been through. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about an adventure I went on last year. So as usual, stick around to the end of the episode to find out who is on next week. And let's get into this episode. Well, where to even begin? I mean, I was just in a really shit place. I didn't even know why. I was in this really shit place, I reckon, for all of my 20s. My 20s sucked. I was in a terrible place for most of it. 20s are weird. 20s are weird because I feel like when you're like a teenager, everyone's like, oh, fuck, I can't wait for my 20s. You're looking at 20 people in their 20s and they're all just having fun, doing whatever they want, traveling the world, backpacking. And then like when people are older, they seem to be like, oh, your 20s, enjoy your 20s. 20s suck. (laughs) Like my 20s sucked. I hated my 20s. Yeah, on the outside, I was doing a lot of fun stuff. But on the inside where it counts, where I go to bed with every single night, 
My 20s were the fucking worst. Yeah, like you're just so unsure of yourself. You're so unsure of yourself. But you're supposed to be sure. Exactly. Like all of the structure is taken away from you and then suddenly you're just meant to got this and you don't got this. And Mm. oh, I honestly, I would not go back to my 20s for anything. (laughs) 30s are great though. (laughs) can't wait I think as of Saturn return what is that like around like 27 that's when you start to maybe come out of it thank the lord yeah I've been a really closed person for a lot of my life and I think that you know I've learned that like we all have there were certain things that happened when I was younger certain things in my childhood that just my coping mechanism was um fine and it actually now that I'm thinking about it when you Jess, when you started to have issues, you used to say, I'm crazy. I'm a mess. Do you remember this? Yeah. That was my tagline. Yeah. 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 You loved it. That was you kind of in the beginning starting to own it. And I was always like, oh, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Even though when I would go to bed at night or be with myself, I was anxious. I was having panic attacks. I was feeling depressed. Like I wasn't feeling good at all. I still didn't even realize I I think because I was functioning I was a highly functioning mess Mm. you know and I Mm. think that when that comes with being a perfectionist that comes with just the type of personality that I am it's just like "Mm, everything's fine I still was somebody that people could lean on I was a lot of people's rocks you know I was there for a lot of people I was glue in a lot of way I was like a mediator in a lot of way and so on that level I was really really stable so I think that I never viewed myself as not being fine and It's funny that you say, Jess, that, you know, you saw therapists over the years and that you always kind of had that support because I too saw therapists over the years, but I am an expert at I'm fine. So (laughs) you even fooled your therapist. Yeah, I would fool my therapist 100 percent. And like I hated therapy. I never got anything out of it because I would just go in there and I would talk about the most surface level crap that I could think of. And I wasn't even doing it on purpose. But they would end up talking to me about service level crap. We never delved particularly deeply into any of my childhood stuff because, you know, like I had a good childhood seemingly, you know, like I had a stable childhood, I had a roof over my head, I, you know, had parents who loved me. So I didn't really see what the problem was and I guess neither did they. And something in particular that would happen to me with therapists and this is why my personality type did not traditionally work at all well with talk therapists and I'm sure this is something that people can relate to is that when I would go and see a therapist, when they would make a judgment about me and they weren't even meaning to but if you are a therapist, please don't do this because it's not really helpful. But (laughs) when they would hear about what I did for work, they would go, oh, that's so amazing. How cool that that's what you do for work. Or I'd go in the next session, they'd be like, I went on How to Live and I looked at it and it's amazing what you and your sister do. Well, then they've already made this judgment that I am this awesome, amazing person. So I then felt the need being the perfectionist and like the show woman that I am to be like, look how awesome my life is. I'm amazing. Yeah, (laughs) totally. You know, like I felt the need to live up to this idea of me that they had created and then I wasn't going to spill any of my shit. I didn't want to ruin the illusion of amazing me just like I didn't want to ruin it in the rest of my life by telling my friends or ruin it to myself by admitting it to myself. So talk therapy for me just never worked. I tried. I knew I needed to see therapists and 
nothing kind of was working for me and everything was just kind of falling apart in my personal life and, you know, in my relationship. I was really, really unhappy. Renan and I were fighting all the time. We'd been together for like seven years, but I didn't even know why we were in the relationship still. But the thought of getting out of it didn't appeal to me either because I hated being alone. And actually had this realization in an interview we were doing really recently where I've actually had a person my entire life. Like I'm such a relationship person. Oh my God, you are. Oh my God, completely. Like not only have I been in two very long-term relationships since I was 16, I've basically had two boyfriends with a six-month gap in between. But not only that, even from when I was a little kid, tiny, 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 I always had a best friend for years. But a glued-to-the-hip best friend. I've been watching those videos of you from when you're like four and you've got Matisse and that was the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we were glued together and Matisse, it was like until we were like in year four and then I had another best friend for the next four or five years and then I had another best friend for the next four or five years and like we would do everything together. We would have sleepovers. They would just come everywhere with me and I didn't realize that I was such a codependent person and then that transformed into relationships And Jess pointed out the other day, she was like, am I that to you? (laughs) Am I that to you now? I don't think you are. I feel like I probably was for a while though. That's true. And I think that I just kind of used it because you don't have to be vulnerable, I guess, when you've got a person with you. You're never in an uncomfortable situation. When we started blogging and other bloggers would have to like go and put themselves out there and go to events on their own. I had you. So, you know, I guess Mm. it it does make sense that that happened. So, yeah, I was in this place where therapy wasn't working for me. Getting out of a relationship wasn't really an option for me. But I was miserable, anxious, depressed, felt fucking terrible, hated my life. Just hated it. Even though externally all these things were going on. And... I had this moment. Okay, so Jess and I love to listen to this podcast, Dak Shepard's podcast called Armchair Expert. Love it. So good. Such a great podcast. So thank you, podcast. Podcast has changed my life. You're about to hear why. I was on my way back from a terrible holiday that Renette and I had had together in Hamilton Island that was just the most picturesque, beautiful incredible holiday or it should have been and we were just miserable and we hated each other's company and even when we were having fun in inverted commas I just felt shit inside I felt absolutely disconnected from him from the world I just constantly had this sunken feeling in my chest and I was on the plane back and I remember I was listening to this podcast episode with Dax that I downloaded and it was with Jake Johnson who plays Nick from New Girl love Nick and New Girl. And he started to talk about psychotherapy. And he talked about how psychology never really worked for him because he didn't really like the idea of like talking to someone, but psychotherapy, you like lie down and they like delve deep into your psyche and your childhood. And to me, it sounded awesome. Instead of having to talk to somebody, like I'll just lie down, close my eyes and they'll do all the work. And like, I won't really have to be there or be present because I was just so filled with shame that I couldn't bear to actually say anything out loud that I really wanted to say. So I went home and I started doing some digging into psychotherapists and you know the internet. Pretty soon I ended up on this website called queenofretreats.com and I started looking at retreats all over the world and I found the most amazing sounding retreat in the UK with a psychotherapist 
And all I knew was that they said that this retreat would transform your life. And I was at such a loss, you guys. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't happy with how things were, but I had no idea of a way out. And had I spoken to people around me, people probably would have suggested things like yoga, like meditation. You know, I'm sure people would have had great suggestions, but I was just so closed that I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. So I found this retreat in the UK. I contacted them and I was actually going to be in Israel in a few weeks for my good friend's wedding. And then I happened to have a couple of weeks where I hadn't made any plans yet for what I was going to do. So I got onto the phone to this UK retreat. They said, yep, come July, be there. And I was like, awesome. So I was going to this retreat. I literally had no idea what it was. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. All I knew was that they changed your life. I told my mom about it and she said, I hope you're not going to join a cult. And I was like, I hope so too, but I really couldn't be sure. (laughs) I had no contact with anybody who'd ever been on this retreat before. People kept asking about it. I was like, I genuinely just don't know. I found it on Google. Isn't that the way that all good things are found? And I think also at that point, you weren't really telling people why you were going either. And maybe it was because you weren't ready to share, but also like you weren't even clear necessarily on the ins and outs of it. You were just like, I'm being pulled and I know this is where I need to be. Totally. And I remember feeling really funny about saying to people that I'm going on like a kind of self-helpy thing. Like I remember feeling like awkward and weird about that to even say that I was going to meet with a therapist or go have psychotherapy in like an intensive way. It felt like, you know, I was going to a kind of a rehab and it felt a lot, a lot of shame around talking about that to people. So I was just kind of calling it a wellness retreat. Isn't that so funny that in our society, we deem the people who are seeking things like that out to be crazy and the Mm. highly functioning you walk past on the street to be sane. But I would actually argue the inverse, that you were aware of the areas in your life that you wanted to improve and so you were seeking out help as opposed to so many other people right now who are in the depths of it, maybe they don't even know they're in the depths of it, but they're not seeking it out and they're just living in that. And that's crazier. Like you should be (sighs) celebrated that you're actually facing your shit as opposed to not facing it, which in our society, that's the one that's celebrated. That makes no sense. Oh my God, you are so right. And you know what comes to mind when you're talking about that? is Charlotte York in Sex and the City going into their self-help section of the books. And then, like, I can't remember what happens, but, like, someone sees her there and she's like, travel? Travel? Like, you know, like, oh, no, I'm just looking for the travel section. Like, you know, yeah, what? I mean, it should be talked about. It should be celebrated that you're actually facing what's going on inside you and that you're working towards being better. 100%. So little old me who had never, ever not had somebody by my side for years at a time, let alone never, ever traveled on my own. Actually, remember you had traveled on your own a couple of years earlier in Greece. And I was like, you are crazy. (laughs) You know, like whenever anyone would say like, oh, they had a meal on their own. I'd be like, why? (laughs) Obviously, without realizing it, I so could not face what was going on inside me. So I went on my own. I flew to London. I rented a car and I drove three or four hours out of London. The whole way there, I blasted the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Oh, what a soundtrack soundtrack ever. So good. Like just so empowering. Like Mm. it was actually one of the few things I remember that would make me feel like it just, wow, incredible soundtrack. Go listen to it. Awesome. 
So I took myself onto this retreat and I just had the most life-changing week. From the second I got there, I was in this cottage in the middle of nowhere, countryside UK, across the world. And there's just definitely something about being on the other side of the world is so liberating that you kind of feel like, oh, nobody knows me here. I can do whatever. So I think my barrier was broken down from that already. But honestly, just the second I sat down at this dining table with a dinner for one, looking out across these open fields, I just had the biggest smile on my face because I was like, oh, I'm alone. And I thought it would suck, but I feel completely free. Mm. And they'd left this journal on my bedside table and no one ever said anything to me about it, but I just started journaling and I just started writing about how I was feeling. And at first I was like, dear diary. And I felt really silly about everything I was writing in there. And I was just thinking about like, what if somebody reads this, what would they be thinking? But slowly I started to be able to just actually express to myself how I was feeling. And this week of not only therapy and psychotherapy, which really does delve into your childhood. And I found that a really, really helpful form of talk therapy for me when I couldn't really talk about what's going on right now, but it's much easier to describe, okay, what was your childhood like? What are your memories? You know, the things that don't seem significant. And, you know, so many of us think, oh, no, my childhood was fine. What do I have to complain about? But it's like, No, like every little thing that happened to us as children has such a massive impact on us and plays such an important role in how we are as adults and the problems that we face and doing things like breath work and being in nature and and walking around and there was this library of self-help books and I started to read Brene Brown and I was just blown away like I'd never I'd I'd always read business books and you know I thought I was super like knowledgeable but I'd never even heard of so many of these concepts and hearing people the way authors like Brene Brown would share their own stories in what they were talking about I was like oh wow and the therapist I was working with would say to me I read this in your file like oh I felt that too I've never even spoken to anyone about it connecting with other people who are feeling the same things as me and it was five days I actually think it was four and a half days And I left it changed forever. I just saw a completely new way. And I think that sometimes we do need to get to those rock bottom moments to have these massive epiphanies and just totally change our way of being. And I went from being someone that was so closed and just felt really stuck. I felt like my body was made of rock. And I went from that to just being in this incredibly open-hearted. I feel like my heart opened up that week. And I think it's incredible as well, listening to the transformation that took place for you over like this four and a half day period, because it just shows again that no one's journey needs to look a certain way and it doesn't have to go a certain way. You know, whether you work through things (laughs) through a number of years, which I have, or you have this life-changing situation in a number of days, as long as you feel like you're living your most authentic self and you're delving into whatever you're being pulled to dive into, then that's exactly where you're supposed to be. I think we can all relate to this just subtle voice inside our head whispering to us that we need to deal with something. And the moment we get quiet, we're able to listen to it. 
for me, that voice is constantly telling me that I have to deal with something. It just is constantly changing. So, okay, first I had to deal with my eating disorder. Okay, I'll listen. And then I have to deal with my self-esteem and then I'll listen. And now it's telling me that I have to deal with some other shit that we can talk about in a year when I've sorted through it. (laughs) (laughs) But we can. We know that it's there. But sometimes we ignore it. And maybe it's time to stop ignoring and to start to listen just a little. Yeah, one of the biggest life-changing techniques, ideas that I've brought into my life that's really stuck is that idea of feeling whatever comes up. And I've been amazed by how quickly you move through things when you actually feel them. Honestly, Mm. I know people say it. I know you see it on an Instagram quote card, but I didn't actually know or realize or feel it until I've been in this place where I've been able to sit with feelings and I read a stat recently that said an emotion on average lasts 2.5 minutes or something unless we suppress it and then you can feel it for infinity. Oh, I love that. And also it's about creating, I think what we've both done is created toolboxes for ourselves. I know for me that negative self-esteem and whatever, like that still finds its way to creep in. But I now have this plethora of tools that I am able to choose which one I would like to face it with and address it with and acknowledging it with to be in that place as opposed to like shut down and then have it grow like you just said exponentially that sucks I don't want it to grow exponentially yeah totally and that toolbox involves things like meditation like yoga breath work, different therapies that we do. And it's why we've started to bring a lot of these people onto the podcast and get them talking about these practices. It's why we want to be sharing more with you guys because we've found these things so, so helpful. So I left that retreat in the UK really feeling like I was walking on a cloud. I felt like I discovered this whole side to the world that I didn't even know existed. I'd been carrying around this weight for such a long time and to even know that there were things that existed that could lift it was really, really massive for me. And just while I was on that retreat, having things acknowledged that I was going through and for someone to say, not oh, that's weird, which I've had some therapists say to me before, which is so, so unhelpful, but to actually go, well, yeah, of course, because we're all deeply affected by our childhoods and here are some books that you can read. There's this incredible, I don't know if he's a psychologist or what, but his name is Peter Levine and he works a lot on how we are affected by trauma and how animals can just shake it off, animals in the wild, but as humans, the way we've evolved, we don't shake it off and it kind of gets trapped in our bodies. And I was reading this book and it was talking about, do you ever feel really down or do you ever just feel like kind of numb or there are these unexplainable things that are going on within you? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. He had the answers. People have the answers to things. And I felt before so hopeless and I'd resided myself to just always feeling that way and to just know that, oh, there were these things in place. I can do this. Another incredible book that I started reading around that time was called Homecoming by John Bradshaw. 
all about inner child work, which I'd never even heard of as a concept before. And, you know, so many people like, oh yeah, my childhood was fine. Like I had great parents. I got along with my siblings. I had a roof over my head and I was taken care of, but there are so many little, little things that can affect us. So that book for me was incredible. And actually I left that retreat in the UK and I went to London on my own for a couple of days. And then our mum met us. And while I was on my own, I went for dinner on my own. And this was massive for me. I remember that. I remember just you saying a couple years earlier, even I just love going for dinner on my own. And I was like, are you nuts? <laughs> and then, you know, all of a sudden I had like done all this stuff on my own. I'd been on my own for the first time. And I was like, mm, I kind of want to go out for dinner. All right. So I remember going to this restaurant and like ordering myself a little spread. You know, I was really self-conscious when I went in there and asking for a table for one, because isn't that the universal sign in all movies for like a sad, lonely person is a table for one. Totally. Yeah, but actually it was really nice. There were other tables of crowds of people and I was like, oh no, they must be looking at me like how sad am I? But I was like, Firstly, who cares? Secondly, they're not even looking at me. Thirdly, I'm really happy. And I took my Kindle with me and it honestly became my favorite way of doing things to the point where I was like, how do you interact with people again? I was just so, so enjoying my own company, which was just so totally refreshing. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely a difference between being alone and feeling lonely. For sure. And I think maybe for a long time you fell into the second category of when you're alone, you felt lonely, which we've all felt. And it's a terrible, empty, sad place to be. But if you can feel alone rather and like it's more empowering than anything else, I think, to be able to enjoy your own company is the goal. You know, that is amazing. Well, so true, but I didn't even know that was the goal because I feel like movies and culture and society had told me otherwise. I'd been told that being alone was lonely and I didn't Mm. realize that there was such a thing as enjoying your own company. So I'd never even been able to explore that before because it had never really been shown to me. Yes. So I was really enjoying my own company. I ended up going back to Melbourne and I just decided that I really needed that space and I was thriving in that space. So Renan and I decided to give the break a try. I think we set three months and I was kind of Skyping with my therapist back in the UK. So I felt like I had a really good support system in place, but actually something really confronting in coming home was we live in like quite a tight-knit community. We've all grown up in Melbourne and having to like tell everybody that Renan and I were on a break. And now in hindsight, I don't even know why that was such a big deal to me. You know, I look back and it seems like such an insignificant thing, but at the time it was really, really hard for me to have people find out about what was going on in my private life and to find out that things weren't perfect. And I feel like that just goes with this facade that we feel the need to put on and breaking down that barrier and having people find out that things were going on with us. Obviously, nobody reacted in any sort of way. Nobody said anything to make me feel bad about it, but I was crying a lot then. And I really like had to feel and go through that. And that was actually one of the biggest hurdles that once I was on the other side of it, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I could do anything now because now I don't give a shit what people think about me. I had to break down that wall and it was really, really painful. But coming out of it, I was like, oh, cool. 
now I'm living for me and I'm no longer living for what everybody else thinks of me. Yeah. And as a bit of an outsider in that whole situation, I mean, insider, outsider, because obviously I was with you the whole time, but it was definitely an interesting process to observe people's reactions. And I think that it goes back to what we were talking about around the idea of our society valuing people who just act like they've got their shit together versus someone who's admitting that they don't. And then pitying them and viewing that as the sad part when in reality Mm. like you were going through things for so long and if anything that was a moment in your life where I remember watching in celebration to be like wow this is a really incredible thing that Stephanie is addressing and facing and she wants to be a happier person and she wants to live her life what you wanted your life to be But, you know, people's instant reaction was, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, like I really feel for you, which was obviously a really beautiful reaction to have. So many people were showing their care and love for you. But it's just really funny because there's definitely a disconnect there between you are actually on a path of brilliance. It's a celebration. Yeah. Now that you say that, I remember there were some people who reached out to me and said, wow, this is really, really brave what you're doing. And those people honestly kept me going in those moments. Mm. It was really tough. It was really, really tough. And for somebody who was caring what other people thought at that time, for people to say, wow, go you, keep going. This is really brave. I really, really needed that. Yeah. That's such a good lesson for us all to hear that we can like pay that forward. Totally. And celebrate other people that are on any journey, really. Yeah. So Renan and I decided that being in the same city, Melbourne can feel so small. And also we had Panther, our precious baby dog, who we were sharing. We decided that it'd be better if we could be in different places. So I actually decided to go to Byron for six weeks on my own. And I went and I found an Airbnb and... Luckily, we have a cousin who was living in Byron. So that was awesome to have a person there with me who I could share things with and, you know, introduce me to people and stuff. But really, I was kind of terrified again to go to Byron on my own, but it was honestly one of the most liberating things I have ever done to really just set out on a full adventure on my own and really feel like I am a one. I feel like this idea of single versus couple that you're not whole without being a couple. I had always felt that. Mm, My other half. Yeah, the term my other half is ridiculous because I am not a half. I am a whole. Together we are two wholes. But really in that period, I went through this massive transformation of feeling like a half without somebody else. And my whole life, I'd always had a boyfriend since I was like 15 or something like that. I'd always had another half. I'd always felt like I needed it. And to suddenly just feel okay with being me and to realize that I am a whole on my own. I feel like it's something that society, again, never tells us. It is you must find a partner. You need a partner. And even when you're in a relationship, it's like, oh, where's your partner? Are you and your partner doing things together? Like, I feel like this time gave me a whole new perspective on that. And I realized that I'm enough on my own and having somebody to do things with, whether it's a friend or a parent or a kid or a partner is 
really, really beautiful. You know, shared experiences are incredible. But what is most important as a base is that on your own, you're enough and that you can be on your own and you can be fulfilled completely on your own. Mm, Yeah, that's so important for people to hear as well, because there's this Hollywood idea of what love is, and it's a deep need for your partner. And I hate that idea of needing somebody else coming into a relationship feeling whole and sufficient is such a more positive place to come into it versus coming in deficient and needing that person to fill something inside of you. And I think that what society teaches us is the latter. It's that you need to find someone to make you feel okay with yourself, to make you feel confident, to make you feel yourself. And all of those things, they're kind of shit. Yeah, totally. And if they're not coming from you then you're never going to have a fulfilled, meaningful, deep relationship because you're always going to be searching for that in your partner and no one outside of you can actually give that to you. They can't. And it's actually such a liberating thing to realize. Like at first it's like, oh. Yeah, just me. I'm all I got. I'm all there is. Yeah, and if you're feeling like that, it's probably because you haven't tapped into yourself fully and like most of us haven't. Mm. So – to cut a long story short, so Renan and I did actually end up getting back together and I never ever thought that was going to happen and he didn't either, but it turned out he had kind of gone on his own little self-work journey at the same time and because we ended up hanging out because of Panther, we really connected in this new way where we started to realize that we were both really full And that it was nice to kind of spend time together and be with each other, but in this totally new way. So we call it new us versus old us. Like old us is totally gone. We don't even refer to like stories that happen. So we've been together for like eight and a half years, but really I feel like we've been together for six months. And all the time now I fall off again and I forget and I'm like, oh, Renan's so annoying or, you know, Renan's this, Renan's not giving me this. And When I get lost in those thoughts, I then suddenly remember, okay, wait, if I'm feeling like this, if I'm feeling like I'm not getting something that I need, maybe I actually am not giving myself something that I need. And I go inwards and it's so, so powerful to be able to always know that I can turn back to myself and that I already have everything that I need within me. And there's this incredible book that I was also reading and Renan was reading it too, called How to Be an Adult in Relationships mm. by David Richo. And he talks about in it how we have this Hollywood idea that my partner is my everything. But actually, in reality, your partner should be 25%. 25% of your happiness can come from your partner. Like you already got that base. You already have that 75% down. And then they're adding on top of that. But without that 75%, your partner can never truly fill you up. Totally. And I guess I've also been in that experience and learning that through my relationship with Elliot as well, which is something that we didn't even really touch on. But he and I also coincidentally broke up for a little while last year. (laughs) Twins. Yeah, absolute twins always. That was actually following my Bali teacher training, but we can save that for another episode. I think there are endless amounts of things that we could talk about on this topic, but we will leave it there. 
So if you did like this episode, we would absolutely love you to help us get the word out. Please share it with a friend that you think would like it. You could share it on Instagram, but definitely come over and continue the conversation with us on Instagram at How to Live the Podcast and Facebook How to Live the Podcast group. Next week on the podcast, do we have something special in store for you or what? We have the unbelievable Latham Thomas, super doula. If you don't know what that is, you are going to find out. Also an incredible author. And we actually discovered Latham when she took over Gwyneth Paltrow's Instagram on Share the Mic recently. Here is a little snippet from the episode. I studied with a master herbalist. And as I studied with her, I would be in nature and she would have me like amongst plants. And that's actually when I first learned to meditate because I would sit with the plants and she said, well, you can tell me which ones are actually ready to be picked, right? Which are ready for harvest. I said, well, how am I going to do that? She's like, well, you're just going to listen. I was like, okay, cool. And I would just go listen. And I'd be like, it's this one, it's this one, this one's ready. And so I learned kind of that there is this creation vibration that is part of the ambient landscape that's always around us. That's next week on the podcast. Until then, sending you so many virtual hugs. We will see you next week. Bye. See you.